Welcome. You're listening to an Ignite Harvest Ministries podcast with Evangelist Ivana Govinda. We pray that this word will inspire, impart, and ignite a passion within you for God and the advancement of His kingdom. You are now listening to part three on our series, The Holy Spirit. And today we are talking about unbelievers and the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at the state, the spiritual state of unbelievers. Why is it that they need saving? And we're going to also see how the world has been reproved of sin and judgment. And we'll look at the plan of salvation. We obviously know that the spiritual state of unbelievers, according to Ephesians chapter number two, verse one, is that they are dead in trespasses and sin. And this doesn't mean that they don't have a soul, but that their souls are so far away from the life of God and heaven that they are insensitive to God and his kingdom. And unfortunately, if they continue to remain in such a state, when they die physically, their souls will fall into hell. And we know that that is completely separate from heaven and from God. How can we make such souls in in a callous state, which are dead in trespasses and sins, realize their sins and accept the eternal life that God has given them? There is only one who does such work continuously among unbelievers. And that is none other than the Holy Spirit of God. I want to quickly read from the book of 1 Corinthians Chapter number two, verses nine and 10. It says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the spirit, for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. In other words, unbelievers are not able to understand the salvation of God through reason or through the five senses. It is only through the power of the inward revelation that they can receive the understanding concerning salvation. And how does the Holy Spirit work when he approaches unbelievers? Reproving the world of sin. So let's look at what does that mean to reprove the world of sin? Every single person is born with a sinful nature. Psalms chapter number 51 verse 5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. When we look at the original meaning of sin, we find that we're actually in a frightful position. And the word of God says that man cannot help but bear sinful fruits. And a person in a sinful state is separated from God. The sinful state is called original sin. It's it's carried corporately where Romans chapter number 5 verse 12 says, By one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. Further on verse 15 says, Through the offense of one man many be dead. Adam disobeyed God. He was driven out from God's presence. And in that state, he produced mankind. Therefore, the descendants of Adam were born in that state of separation from God, apart from the presence of God. They were placed under Adam's sentence of death. 
the person who lived the God of all righteousness, goodness and life cannot help but reproduce unrighteousness. In Adam's forsaken condition, mankind was bound to die and go to hell. But here, the great love and mercy of God appeared. God delivered us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Born of the Virgin Mary, Jesus came into the world without original sin. He was not born of Adam. As a sinless person, he then became that perfect substitute for sinners. As a righteous person, he was crucified for the unrighteousness. He died and after three days rose from the dead. By his death, he paid the total price for our original sin and our self-committed sins. As many as believe in him and receive the free grace of salvation, they receive eternal life. They are no longer separated from God. Ever since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, man does not die eternally for his own sinful acts or for the original sin. He is destroyed for not accepting the salvation of Jesus Christ. And because of this, I can't emphasize enough how urgently the message of the gospel needs to be preached. And based on that choice, based on whether they accept what Jesus has done or not, will be whether they spend eternity in hell or eternity in heaven with God. How can we awaken the dead and senseless soul to receive this great gospel message? Who can convince sinners who don't even realize their desperate state that they're in? We cannot do this in our own capacity. God promised to carry out his work by sending the Holy Spirit who is performing this work all over the world. The world has also been reproved of righteousness. The Holy Spirit, according to John chapter number 16 verses 8 and 10 says, The Holy Spirit will also reprove the world of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. What is righteousness? Sometimes people think it's human behavior when somebody does something that is morally correct. They're called righteous. But what does the word of God say? It says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 verse 20 says, By the deeds of the law there shall be no flesh justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Everyone who stands before the law of God is a sinner. Not only do we fall short of the glory of God, but they cannot help but be driven out of his presence. So who can stand before the glorious throne of God with a pure life, totally free from sin? Being people who are descended from Adam, we're unable to find such a person besides Jesus Christ. There is no one who has been able to have a life free from sin, besides Jesus, whom the Holy Spirit conceived in the Virgin Mary, and of whom now bears witness. But what proof do we have that Jesus lived a completely righteous life? The evidence is clear. 
Paul the Apostle says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This means that sinners are not qualified to stand before God. But Jesus said the Holy Spirit would convict the world of righteousness. From the beginning, every single person, whether they believed in God or not, since the beginning of human history, eventually died and their bodies remained. Except Enoch and Elijah, who were taken to heaven without seeing death, being counted righteous through their faith. But the empty grave of Jesus Christ silently witnesses that Jesus is alive and that he returned to his father. What does Jesus' righteousness mean? We know that a sinner cannot redeem another person's sin. But Jesus' death did in fact redeem our sins, which means he had no sin and therefore he could redeem us of sin. A sinner cannot redeem another sinner. I want to read Romans chapter number 3 and verses 23 to 24. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The redemption that is in Christ Jesus is referring to the death and resurrection. He was delivered for our offenses. He was raised for our justification. He fully paid all the debts of mankind on the cross. And now the Holy Spirit bears witness that through faith in Jesus, anyone that believes can be counted as righteous. And it shall be just as if they have never sinned. This means that we can stand before the glory of God without a spot of shame, relying only on the merit of Jesus. What a wonderful grace. What a blessing that is that the Son of God had come to make this possible for us so that we can be sons and daughters of God. The Holy Spirit works unceasingly to convince the world of such truth so that everyone may believe in Jesus Christ and be saved from eternal damnation. And there is no one, there is absolutely no one that can be justified by their works before God. It doesn't matter how hard we try. It is only through the redemption in Christ. It is only through Christ. The next thing I want to look at is how the world was reproved of judgment. Jesus also said that the Holy Spirit would reprove the world of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. That's in John chapter number 16. Who is the prince of this world? Revelation chapter number 12 verses 9 to 11 says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. 
for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they loved for they loved their lives for they loved not their lives even unto death the deceiver of the whole world refers to the ancient serpent the devil satan who tempted adam and eve who took over adam's authority over the world and eventually deceived the whole world originally when god created the world he gave the governing to adam and eve when god created man and woman in genesis chapter number 1 he says let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth like a king and queen adam and eve were created to rule and govern this authority was given to the devil when adam and eve disobeyed the commandment of god so as a result of obeying the devil adam's fellowship with god was broken and he didn't just become the servant of the devil but he handed himself and the territory that was entrusted to him over to the devil and since that time we know that we are from god and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one from then the devils made desperate efforts to oppose and interfere with god's plan it's nothing new when the devil tempted jesus in the wilderness he took him up to a high mountain and in a moment of time he showed him all the kingdoms in the world and and satan trying to entice him says to you i will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and i give it to whom i will if you then will worship me it will be all yours that's in luke chapter number 4 And you'll notice here instead of saying that the power of this world was his from the very beginning the devil confessed that it had been delivered to him and I cannot imagine what a tragic day that would have been the desperate effort of the devil has been to steal kill and destroy mankind but god reached out through jesus christ to save the world and the only way to save the human race that's been enslaved to the devil was for god to prepare a way through which he could legally forgive the original sin and the willful sins that men and women would commit because man made the choice to rebel against god and submit to the devil man's deliverance needs to be accepted the choice to rebel was made the choice to accept still needs to be made and we know that god has given us free will because he loves us you would not control your husband or your wife in a relationship you love them so we need to choose to receive the good news of forgiveness which has been made possible through jesus christ And if a person turns their back on the devil and chooses God, that person will be saved. They will be restored as a child of God and they will recover that authority that was lost. It is only because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus' death for us, the deceitful schemes of the devil are revealed before the cross. The devil 
who had enslaved the human race and robbed mankind of the world which God had entrusted to them was judged by the love of God revealed on the cross. The cross was a complete defeat. It was a destruction and ruin of his plans with a judgment for final damnation. Through the sacrificial death of Jesus, God opened a legal way to forgive and restore all mankind. So why did Jesus say that the Holy Spirit would reprove the world of judgment? There are two meanings in that statement. Firstly, through the sacrifice of Jesus, God forgave the treason of mankind and reproved the devil who enslaved men and women, taking all the world that God had given to them. Number two, it's a rebuke of God to mankind who despite the way of salvation that God has given us still does not come back to God. And if people continue in their ways, continue to reject the gospel, they will go to hell. But the moment somebody gets saved, the moment their destiny has been changed, Satan suffers. It ruins his kingdom. And not only does he desperately try to hinder people from hearing the gospel, he will also try to seduce those who have already believed. He will try to seduce them into destruction. And knowing all of this, we need to be desperate with God. We need to pray that he fills us with the Holy Spirit, with his power to enable us to preach the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. We need the world to know what desperate state they're in and that they need salvation and that salvation is available. John chapter number 12 verse 31 says, Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. The devil, who through sin and ignorance gained the opportunity to enter the world, is now losing ground moment by moment. Why? Because there are thousands of Hundreds of thousands that are receiving salvation. The last thing I want to look at is how the plan of salvation was revealed. Unbelievers who have been reproved of sin, righteousness and judgment and that have heard the message of the gospel should now turn from their sinful lives and trust Jesus by faith. But often their human understanding will tell them that the Christian walk is too difficult. It's just too difficult. And unfortunately, people who interpret the gospel with human reason fall into this pit. And they find it difficult to get to that point of accepting. How does the Holy Spirit cause unbelievers to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior? It is only through a miracle. The new birth is just as much of a miracle as Jesus' conception without a physical father of the flesh and the birth through the Virgin Mary. Jesus, God come in the flesh, was a miracle. And the same miracle is necessary for Jesus to come into the spirit of a person. Without the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, we could never believe in his redeeming work of grace, which defies understanding and reason. When anyone confesses Jesus as their personal savior, there may not be any immediate signs of outward change. 
But let me tell you that the change occurring in the spiritual realm is enormous. The Holy Spirit of God comes into the spirit of that person and moves within it mysteriously beyond reason and imagination. And in conclusion, believing is not attained through understanding and knowledge, but through a miracle of the Holy Spirit. And in conclusion, I just want to share how when we got saved, we were the first people in our immediate family to get saved. I, be I became desperate for my family and my close friends to get saved. And as we would fast and pray, I would just have these people on my heart. And over the years, I can guarantee you that seeds have been sown in so many of their lives. Fruit has come off that. Some are saved. Some are open to the gospel. Some are starting to become open. There's still many, many more that I know shall accept the message of the gospel. And it is not through my doing. It is not through anyone's doing, but by the Holy Spirit. So you need to begin to pray for these family members. Even when it looks like nothing is going on, trust me, there is a spiritual battle that is far greater than anything you could imagine. You need to continue in fasting and prayer, proclaiming the word of God over these family members until you see the results. When we die, and go to heaven. We don't take money. We don't take our house. We don't take our children. We don't take the greatest achievements, the, the uh, degrees and the everything else that we've got. We only take souls. That is the only thing we take. What a shame it would be if all we did in this lifetime was to try to build material wealth and not care about souls. What a shame when we get to heaven and we have not taken many souls with us. Let us begin to store up treasures in heaven, in your workplace, in your school, wherever you are placed, begin preaching the gospel. And you've got to be sensitive Sometimes you may not even need to say a word, but your behavior is different. When there's a stressful situation and you're not the one stressing, but you've got peace, people look at you and they wonder, what is going on? You look different. How is that so? And in the world today that is so broken, it is falling apart. There is no greater time than today to start preaching the gospel. If you desire to see the nations of the earth transformed by the power of the life-changing gospel, become a partner with this ministry. For more information, go to our website, igniteharvest.com.